if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Ezekiel, back to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 34, I hear cheers, I maybe hear some groans, Ezekiel has been our place. We took a break over, over Christmas, over Advent season, but we are back in Ezekiel. If you're looking for Ezekiel, you can open up almost to the middle of your Bible. Um, you might read Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Um, and so that's where it's one of the major prophets. We're going to be in, verse, in chapter 34, and we're going to read from verses 1 through 24. And as is our custom uh, here, as we read God's Word, let's all stand in honor of God and His Word. Ezekiel chapter 34. Beginning at verse 1, I'll read this for us. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat and you clothe yourselves with wool. You, sh you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains and over every hill, my sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or to seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my, she my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered. So will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places they have been scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. And the fat of the strong I will destroy. I will feed them injustice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, 
I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of the pasture and a drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them all abroad, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up one over them, one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. This is God's word. Amen and amen. You may take a seat. All right. The timer's going off, and it says it's time. It's just time to get on with the sermon, I suppose. Um, all right. So, over the break, over Christmas, the, the, between Christmas and New Year's is typically in our household a bit of a downtime. The kids are out of school. People are kind of doing what they want to do. People are working on their New Year's resolutions, right? Or maybe you're just binge-watching Netflix, right? Did anybody do a little binge-watching over the break? Okay, I have a little bit. Uh, that's okay. But sometimes on these, when you're watching, you'll find that you watch a show and there's a lot of episodes. There's a, a previously on little segment at the beginning. We started Ezekiel at the beginning of the fall, right? And we took a break. The Sunday after Thanksgiving, we had Thanksgiving Sunday. We filled this room with Thanksgiving, but we took a break from Ezekiel. And over Advent, we took a break from Ezekiel. And now we're back in Ezekiel. So, previously on Ezekiel, okay? Um, so, Ezekiel Ezekiel is born, just as we remember back to September, okay, Ezekiel is born at a low point in the nation of Israel, in the, in the history of Israel. It's really the lowest point. The Babylonians had laid siege to Israel, they laid siege to Jerusalem, and they took three waves of captives out of there. The first wave was Daniel. Daniel and the three Hebrew children, and really the royalty and the military commanders, they got beaten in the first wave and they got taken out. And Isaiah had, Isaiah had, had, uh, had announced a hundred years before that this was coming. Daniel goes in the first wave, and then Jeremiah shows up on the scene and says, hey, another wave is coming. And then the second wave comes, and that's the wave where Ezekiel is taken out of Israel. He's a prophet of Israel, but he never sets foot in Israel after, after he's taken out. He never prophesies in the nation of Israel. He has that kind of, uh, that, uh, that, that's his story here. And Ezekiel, um, he's, eventually there's a third wave, um, and Ezekiel will warn of that, uh, but the third wave comes during Ezekiel's lifetime. And during that time, in Ezekiel's lifetime, all of the pillars of identity for the nation of Israel are torn down. The promise of land is taken away. The promise of a Davidic king who will shepherd them fairly is taken away. They have bad kings. The promise of, the, of, the, of Jerusalem and the temple 
That is taken away. All of these identity markers for the nation of Israel, for Ezekiel, are torn down in his lifetime. He lives through the darkest moment. And for Ezekiel, Ezekiel trained to be a priest. Ezekiel's a priest, but on his 30th birthday, when he's supposed to be installed as a priest in the temple, he's not in the temple, is he? He's not in Jerusalem. He's he's sitting by an irrigation canal in a refugee camp. He's sitting by this irrigation ditch, the Kabar Canal. Sounds very exotic, right? It's an irrigation ditch. And he's sitting there in this refugee camp, and this vision of the the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God comes to him. And he gets a call on his life. And I guess one of the couple of things that we have to, we've talked about in this this series so far, is you don't get to choose where in the story you're born. We get to choose a lot of things in our life, but we don't get to choose the date of our birth or what we get born into. You didn't choose, you didn't choose to get born into a series where a time where we had a pandemic. You didn't get to choose that. You didn't get to choose what the political situation was going to be in your lifetime. You don't get to choose those things. You don't get to choose where, what point in the story you're born into. And what that means is that we don't get to choose what faithfulness necessarily looks like. And for Ezekiel, faithfulness looked like, well, Ezekiel, his call, his, 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 his pedigree was to be a priest, but the call on his life was to be a prophet. Ezekiel had trained his whole life to be a priest, and on the day he's supposed to be installed, God shows up and says, Ezekiel, I want you to eat this scroll, and I want you to tell the nation, I want you to be a prophet. I don't want you to be a reconciler, I want you to be an agitator. And for Ezekiel, Ezekiel's going to spend six years of his life, 28 chapters, six years, just talking about how God is going to destroy Six years. That's his message. And God also says, hey, I don't want you to be a priest. I want you to be a prophet. And here's the other thing, Ezekiel. No one's going to listen to you. So I want you to, I want you to lie down in the street. I want you to do all this street theater. Nobody's, people are going to mock you. People aren't going to listen to you. But I want you to do this, and I want you to do this for six years. Now, I, we started this in the fall. We started in September. And I preached 10 messages of woe. <laughs> like, that was fatiguing. I got to tell you. Like, that's fatiguing just to do it for a season. Ezekiel did it for six years, okay? And Ezekiel is called by God to have this message, and it's, it's bad news. It's bad news for these first 28 chapters. And what we're going to find now is as we begin 2022 that there's something happens during Ezekiel's time that changes his message, that God says after this one event that, Ezekiel, it's time now for you to shift, to go from bad news to good news. And that one event is the low point in the life of Israel, and that is when a refugee comes to Babylon into the refugee camp and says to Ezekiel, Jerusalem has been destroyed. It's the lowest point. And what God says, when Ezekiel hears this, God says, now it's time to give hope. Now it's time to give hope. And we can talk, we talk, we have, there's a sermon back, if you go back you can hear, what what does God do with low points? But at this point as we come into 2022, 
We're asking the question, what is the good news? What is the gospel according to Ezekiel? And the beautiful thing about this is as we move forward in the book of Ezekiel, it's not going to be bad news. I mean, there's bad shepherds, and we'll talk about bad shepherds uh, for sure. But there is going to be good news, there's going to be hope, and we're going to talk about what is the hope that Ezekiel gives. And today, our passage kicks off that good news. Are you guys ready for some good news? Good, because I am too. It's, it's, it, I much prefer to preach good news than bad news. And the first part of Ezekiel is a lot of bad news, a lot of idolatry, a lot of injustice, a lot of false prophets. Now we move into what is God doing after he brings people low. All right? I'm ready for it, and I know you guys are, so let's get into it. Let's look at this. So bad news for these chapters, but now he changes his tune. Look at, um, uh, and the hope begins this way. Look at Ezekiel 34, 1. So the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not the shepherds feed the sheep? And this brings us to, again, this is, it starts a little bit, you say, I, I thought you were talking about good news. There is good news, because God, God's coming, God's coming. But he first has to do, make a correction, and that is this. The shepherds of Israel have not been doing their job. Now, this image of shepherds, if you've read your Bible, maybe some of you have a goal to read your Bible, like to re- go through the Bible in a year. Um, my go through the Bible in a year that I, wor- that I committed to at the beginning of last year, I'm about halfway through. So, um, so look, there's no judgment here. I was, I was listening through it on the Bible on the Bible app, um, on version, which is a great way to do it. Um, it's a new exercise to listen through, but as I'm listening through, I'm about halfway done. So, no, again, you can judge me if you want, but I'm not going to judge. I already have, again, plenty of critical voices in my head. Okay, um, but the image of, the image, if you've been through the Bible, you realize that this image of leaders, rulers, even God as a shepherd is kind of a stock image in the Bible. And in this case, uh, probably Israel used this image most, regular, most regularly. Actually, it was, it was an image that was used throughout the ancient world, but Israel really used this quite a bit. And when the tribes came to David back, so we're going back uh, about 500 years, when the tribes came to David at Hebron to make him king, the basis for their action was the Lord's declaration concerning David you will shepherd my people Israel, you will become their ruler. That's in 2 Samuel. And of course, Psalm 23 famously says, the Lord is my shepherd. And so that, the idea of the shepherds, the shepherd is the one who tends the sheep. The shepherd is the one who leads them into pasture so they can be fed. Shepherds tend to the wounds of the sheep. Nurses the weak to full strength. Watches out for predators with their rod and their staff. Shepherds tend tend the sheep for their good. And that's the image of the shepherd. But this is not what the shepherds of Israel have been doing. Look back in verse 2. Thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? And this is what it says. You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed 
the sheep. And this is an interesting thing because shepherds, their job is what they want. So why do, why do people have sheep? Because we, we're a little bit outside of this, right? We live in Orange County. We prob- you probably have not seen a shepherd herding their sheep recently, right? Has anybody seen a shepherd herding their sheep? So, okay, maybe we, we have a few. I, I like, you know, we've got, we've got people doing that, and you, you can see that you, or watch it or, or what have you, but why do people own sheep? There's a couple of reasons. One, uh, the milk from sheep, from the female sheep, and the wool from sheep, okay? And so a shepherd, it is in their best interest to have happy, healthy, thriving sheep, okay? It's what, it, what it's not in the interest of the shepherd to do is to eat the sheep. Eating the sheep is a short-term win. So Jesus, in, in John chapter 10, you're going you're gonna to realize that Jesus in, in, his, uh, in John chapter 10 actually relies quite a bit on the Ezekiel passage we just read. But one of the things he says is that um, the thief, thieves and robbers, watch out for thieves and robbers because they have interest in the sheep. But their interest, what does the thief come to do? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That word kill, it means to kill for food. And thieves and robbers, their interest in the sheep is their interest in a, is a meal. Shepherd's interest is in the wool and the milk. They want happy sheep. They, if there's a weak sheep, they want them to come back to full health. If there's a sick sheep, they want to heal them because they want the wool and they want the milk. Shepherds, the best thing for the shepherd is for the sheep to thrive. But look at what it says. You eat the fat. And the shepherds, the shepherds have gone, it seems, they've moved away from this idea of, of caring for a flock to now thinking of their flock as simply food for them. They're not thinking about, they're thinking about their own self-interest. They are self-interested shepherds. You eat the fattened sheep, you use the wool for yourself, thieves come to steal and kill for food. It says, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. Your rod and your staff have not kept away the predators your rod and your staff you've used on the sheep. The weak, the sick, the injured, the strayed, the lost. These are the responsibilities of the shepherd. The job of the shepherd is to strengthen, to heal, to bind up broken bones, to bring back wanderers, and to seek out those who are lost. And you can see the result. Look at verse 5. So they were scattered. Three times this word scattered. Because there was no shepherd. See, there might have been a shepherd, a person designated it shepherd, but they weren't being a shepherd. That's the point. And so what happens is if there's no shepherd or the shepherd doesn't behave like a shepherd then there is scattering. They were scattered 
They became food for the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains on every hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. And I think one thing, obviously we're going to make this metaphor for the leaders, this metaphor for kings and rulers, this metaphor for God, this metaphor for leaders, even of the church, right? Because we're going, to, we're going to talk about that this metaphor comes into the New Testament and that pastors and elders are called shepherds of the flock. Scattered sheep is a failure of the shepherd. Scattered sheep is a failure of the shepherd. And so what will God do? Look at 34.11. Well, in 34.7 through 10, I'm not going to read it, but basically he says, um, you shepherds, you're going to be out of a job. I- I'm going I'm to move you guys on. And in many ways, God has already done that in Ezekiel's day by taking this leadership and taking them out of the land. And in, although there are leaders in the, in the exile that God is going to replace them, that their failure of leadership has now gotten them displaced. But displaced by who? 3411, thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. And this is where we begin to see the good news. And the good news is this. That you, the bad news is you've got bad shepherds, and sh- you bad shepherds, you're going to be called to account for your bad shepherding. But the good news is this, you have a new shepherd, and God has raised his hand and said, I will do this myself. I'll be your shepherd. I will be your shepherd. And I suppose one of the things that we need to understand is that God has always wanted to be their lone shepherd. God has always wanted to be their shepherd, that God has wanted to be, God didn't want kings. God wanted to be king. But the the people asked for a king. Saul was given to them. David was given them. And now we have David as this example of what a uh, a good shepherd looks like, although it's not David because David's long gone. David's dead. But God says, I'm going to give you David. He's going to be my servant. And of course, we know, spoiler alert, that's Jesus. Jesus is in the type of David. He is the good shepherd. He says as much in John 10, I am the good shepherd. And he's talking about this Ezekiel passage. I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Listen to what God says in verse 12. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. Verse 16, well, verse 15, I myself will shepherd my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. Verse 16, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them injustice. The Lord will be their shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down. Even Psalm 23, there's echoes of Psalm 23 in this. 
and the Lord will appoint a shepherd from among them. And this is one of the interesting things is God is the shepherd, but he says, I want to pick one of the sheep to be the shepherd. I want to pick one of the sheep. And this is one of the things about this, that he's going to pick one of the sheep among the sheep to be the shepherd. And this is one of the great things that Jesus is going to fulfill the prophecy and and these promises that both God will shepherd us and one among us will be our shepherd. Jesus uniquely as one who, the son of God, the son of man, though fully God and fully human, that he can be God shepherding us and one among us to be our shepherd. Look at verse 20, 34, 20. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, behold, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you push aside and shoulder a thrust of the weak with your horns so you scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock They shall no longer be prey. I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. My servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. And this passage in Ezekiel, chapter 34 is what Jesus is making reference to in John chapter 10 when he says, you don't have to turn there, but this is what Jesus says in John 10, John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who's a hired hand is not a shepherd. He doesn't He does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. So this passage in Ezekiel is is actually this rich background that we, we know Jesus read Ezekiel 34. Like this was part of Jesus' self-understanding was Ezekiel 34 against the backdrop of bad shepherds. Jesus shows up and says, look, I know the difference between good and bad shepherds. I'm the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. All these others, they'll see the wolf coming and they'll bail on you. I will not bail. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. It's also likely the background of the parable of the lost sheep that Jesus gives in Mark, or sorry, in Luke chapter 15, when the good shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one, where he asks all these other shepherds, which man among you, if he had a hundred sheep and one left, would not leave the 99 to open pasture and go after the one? And all these are like, no shepherd would do that. And oh yeah, I guess we are shepherds. Like this is the backdrop of Jesus' life and ministry and confronting the bad shepherds of his day. It's also likely the background of Jesus' pronouncement in Matthew 25 that he will on the day of judgment, the Son of Man will separate the sheep from the goats. That's what a good shepherd does. And the followers of Jesus, as we think about this, as we think about this image of shepherding and the leaders of Israel and now the leaders of the church being called shepherds, that the followers of Jesus as the church is born take up this metaphor for their elders and their pastors. 
1 Peter 5. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it for you. 1 Peter 5, 1. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. This is Peter speaking. To shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Such, such good things in there, just some ideas. In a lot of ways, it's talking about what, what do you not do as a shepherd? Like, don't be domineering. Don't do it for personal gain. Don't be self-interested shepherds. Do it in the care of the flock. And of course, super important is this idea that Jesus is the chief shepherd, and all leaders in a church are under shepherds. Though There's a difference between Jesus and your pastor. Of course, you have to be reminded. I'm just kidding. You don't have to be reminded of that. I suppose for me, um, this passage in Ezekiel has been a bit of a point of reflection for me, um, not just for this past fall, but um, I would probably say for like the past decade, last decade of my ministry. Um, I've served on staff and and been involved with leadership at five different churches. Two churches while I was doing youth ministry, and then three other churches while I was uh, either uh, being a professor or pastoring. And um, this image of shepherds who feed themselves. Kelly and I work with a ministry called Standing Stone. It's a ministry to pastors, and before I came here, it was one of the primary things that I was doing. And um, even today, just networked with a lot of pastors in the area, and there are, there are good pastors, and there are not good pastors. And having an upfront, an up-close seat, I, I've seen churches that have healthy pastoral and elder uh, cultures that care for the flock, and I've also seen churches that do not have a healthy pastor, and that do not have a healthy elder culture and that the flock suffers because of that. I've seen that in, in many, in different churches. And even today, um, there have been recently, I suppose, there have been several high-profile pastoral leadership failures nationwide um, in the evangelical world. And we wonder if this is just something more recent or maybe because um, uh, is this a recent phenomenon, or is this that we know more about, we have more information about other churches these days? One way or another, there have been failures of shepherding through my life in Christ. I came to Christ when I was 14 years old, and pretty much from that day to today, um, every year or two, you hear about a pastoral failure, whether it's a moral failure or a moral failure of leadership of some kind of leadership style or domineering leadership or things just fall apart. Uh, one, one of these failures was, has been recently chronicled in a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Um, I, I'm always fascinated because I, I, I've heard people... How many people have been listening to that podcast? Anybody? What, 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 what strikes me is I, I know people... My high schoolers are listening to it, and I know people in their 70s and 80s that are listening to this podcast. Like, it, you're just listening to this, this disintegration 
of a church, and largely because of pastoral and elder culture failure. And I also had um, some dear friends who actually went up to be on staff at that church and have suffered greatly for the fallout of that. And I suppose this question, what what in the world are we supposed to do as a church? As a local church, for sure, and what do we do as part of a larger evangelical community in which it does seem like there have been these kind of leadership failures, whether they're moral, whether they're moral failures or the morality of not being a domineering leader, that's a moral failure as well. But what are we to do? And I think that there's a couple things. I just, I just want to reflect a little bit on this as we, as we move into this because I, I do want to end. We're, we have communion this morning. I want to end on this idea that Jesus is our shepherd. And whatever leadership we have at this church or any other church, there is something that unites us, and that is that we know the call of the shepherd. I've shared this with you guys before. In in John chapter 10, when Jesus begins that passage, he says, "Um, my sheep hear my voice. And the word for voice is the word phone. It also means the word sound. And if you, went into, if you went into Palestine in the first century, even if you go into Palestine today and you see a Palestinian shepherd, they don't drive their sheep from behind. They lead them from the front. And the way they lead them from the front is because they have a particular call. Do you guys remember this? I had you guys, if you have a pet name for somebody or you have a particular call that you give out, like if you're lost in a store, you might have a little like whistle or a little snap or a little something that, that gets your spouse's attention. Like you have a call, right? It's not necessarily your voice. Like my wife, she walks in flip-flops and it makes a particular sound. And I can hear her coming. I know the call, right? You guys have this with the people that you love, that they make particular sounds, okay? We don't have to go through what they are. But Jesus says, my sheep hear my sound, my call. And they respond, and this is the first thing that I just, I just want you to understand. Like, you could respond to my voice on a Sunday morning, or you could respond to my voice. I could say, hey, I need you to volunteer. And you're like, hey, I know the sound of Craig. It's like the sound of my, my phone buzzing and asking, hey, I need a volunteer, right? You know the sound, okay? But that's great. If you know the sound of my voice and you respond, wonderful. God bless you. What I want you to be able to do is to hear the sound of Jesus' voice. Jesus' call. He is your shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He is the one true shepherd. He's the shepherd that I want your ears tuned to. And when we find ourselves tuning our ears to the call of man, to the call of a human being, to the call of an under-shepherd, more than we're tuned to the sound of Jesus' call, that creates a culture that is doomed for failure. When the sound of the pastor's voice is more important than the sound of Jesus' voice, that's a recipe for disaster. And that's what we saw here. I think one of the things I just also want to, to, to bring up is there's an inherent danger in what we're doing here today. Okay? And that is this. You've got someone that you, you've paid to be on staff to say, thus saith the Lord, right? That I'm teaching the Bible, and I'm saying, this is, this is what the Bible means, okay? Now, that might be a simplistic way of understanding this, 
But there is also, you all, we also have elders that make decisions on behalf of the church, right? I'm one of the elders. We have four other elders. We meet twice a month, one mostly for business with some prayer, and the second meeting is mostly prayer, some business. And we meet and we make decisions. We also have a leadership team that leads ministries at the church. Now, the, the point of this, the point of this is this. There is an inherent danger when leadership, one of the jobs of the leadership is to say, this is what God thinks about this. And in some ways, in some ways, that's the situation that we have. It's a, it's a, it's a dangerous situation, but it's also a situation that the New Testament says there must be leadership, that we have, we have a, a shepherd, but Peter says there are also under-shepherds, and the under-shepherds do only as well when they approximate the leadership of the one true shepherd. This is what 1 Peter says, not domineering, not in their own self-interest, but in the interest of the flock as well as in the interest of the glory of God, which means this, that sometimes shepherds have to be tender and sometimes shepherds have to be tough. That's why shepherd is a good is, is a good image because there are shepherds, the shepherds have to move sheep along sometimes that don't want to move along. Or shepherds have to go out and find lost sheep who've wandered off and they have to be tough in order to do that. But at the same time, shepherds have to bind up what is broken. They have to heal. They have to know their flock. And we have this, I don't know, when I read this passage, I'm like, I've got to stand up in front of this congregation and say, what does a good shepherd look like? And I've already got a great critical voice in my head, right? And we all have ideas about what a good shepherd looks like, and we've probably been part of churches, good and bad, all over, all over the map. And there's no, any time, look, there. Any, it's never as good as you think it is. It's never as bad as you think it is. That's the, the great rule of ministry, okay? If you think it's going great, it's not going as great as you think it's going. If you think it's going bad, it's not going as bad as it could go, okay? You got you to gotta get somewhere in the middle. You know what I'm talking about if you've been in ministry for any amount of time. That success can be intoxicating. And this is, why, this is why our time is centered. We do center around the Word, but we also want to center around worship to provide space where you can hear the voice and call of Jesus, where you can worship Jesus, where we can center, where we can repent, we can turn, we can face toward God. And this is ideally what a good leadership team does is they, we try to listen to the voice of God. If we're going in the wrong direction, we pray, move us in the right direction. If we're not going fast enough, then move us faster. If we're, going, if we're going too fast, then slow us down. Keep us in step with the Spirit. This is the call on a leadership team. This is a call on a congregation. But the danger is operating in our own self-interest. This phrase, shepherds, who feed themselves has been a haunting phrase in my head for about a decade. Shepherds who feed themselves. And now that, now that here I am, three years into being a, a lead shepherd, a lead pastor, it still is haunting. How often, how often can we stray off this? 
and then repent and get back. That's the call. The call is not, obviously the call is to stay faithful. There are going to be times where shepherds go off the path. Can they rebound? Can they come quickly back and hear the voice of the over-shepherd and repent? What are good shepherds to do? The weak, the sick, the injured, the strayed, the lost. Shepherds go after those sheep. They care for those sheep. These are the responsibility of the shepherd. The shepherd's job is to strengthen, to empower you for ministry, to heal, to hear stories. Sometimes some of the best healing is just when, when we can sit down with each other or you find one of our elders, you find one of our ministry leaders, you find me, and we just can listen to your stories. There's so many amazing stories of God's provision in here that have followed times of God of being, of being hurt of being sick, of being lost or strayed. God has a way of shepherding through his people, one among you to shepherd. Here, First Peter again, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, not in self-interest, but eagerly, not domineering, but being examples to the flock. And this brings us back to Jesus. I hope our elders are doing a good job. I hope, I hope I'm doing a good job, but ultimately what we want to do is we want to approximate what Jesus is doing, and we want to move you toward Jesus. I any church that is worth its salt is going to say, whether or not you listen to the pastor on a Sunday morning, you listen to that sermon, but what you need to be listening for is the voice of the Holy Spirit. If any of these words land, it is because God has chosen to work His power to land something on our hearts. Not because I, it was a great sermon. I mean, whenever somebody says like, hey, great sermon, good sermon, pastor, like, I'm like, oh, something I said landed. What I love is when somebody says, I, love it when, I, I, I loved it when you said this. And I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, I never, ever said that. I know what I'm going to say. I never said that. And what it means is that, what it means is that somewhere between me saying something and it landing in your heart, the Holy Spirit has intervened. That is the hope of a shepherd that the Holy Spirit would intervene in whatever comes out of my mouth as it makes its way to your heart, that the Spirit would dig deep and the Spirit would plant that. I do want you to listen to me, though. <laughs> it's so hard. I mean, this is, this is the tension, isn't it? That we want the shepherd who stands up and leads so confidently, but we need the tenderness of a shepherd who can heal. And that's where we have to turn back to Jesus. And that's where today I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. That's why the first Sunday of the month we come together to be reminded that 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. It means he feeds us. And Jesus, the night before he was betrayed, he said, look, I need you guys to come to this table and we need to eat together. We need, I need to feed you like a shepherd should feed you. And as we're reminded during this time, we're reminded that Jesus invites us to be fed by him because he is our shepherd. And as we go into 2022, this reminder, this time, I just want to give this time to you, a time for reflection. And just to think, I suppose the first thing is just this, have I ever heard this voice of the shepherd? Have I ever heard the sound or the call of the shepherd? And I would imagine that the bulk of you, you're here because you love Jesus, you've come to worship him, but maybe you're here and you've like, you're like, I've never heard the call of the shepherd. And maybe this is a time where you're, you want to just say, you want to just spend some time and say, Jesus, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your call. I want to follow you. Or maybe this is just a time to say, look, I don't know where I'm at. And maybe you're a shepherd to one degree or another. You've got kids or you've got grandkids or you have employees or, or something like that. There's something you're shepherding in your life. And maybe it's just time for you to think like, how am I doing? Am I, am I allowing Jesus to be the real shepherd? And I'm just going to be an approximation of him. Do I need to repent? Do I need to turn back? Maybe this is a good time to just do this. On, as we start 2022 to just say, look, whether you're a resolution person or not, the Spirit works in us, and the Spirit moves us, the Spirit transforms us. And maybe the Spirit has a resolution for you. And maybe this is just a time to cement that in to say, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to listen to the voice of the Spirit. Our practice here is to come forward as we, um, and we'll, as soon as the music starts, to come forward um, to take the elements. There's two cups. There's bread on the bottom, juice on the top. To take it back to your seat and just to sit and reflect. Once everybody's been served, okay, then I'll come back up and we'll all partake together. But this is a time for reflection. And I just want to urge you and encourage you, just come grab the elements, take them back to your seat. If, you, if you're having a little bit of a hard time walking down or you just don't want to walk through the crowds, um, our ushers are happy to bring it to you. If you just raise your hand, one of our ushers will bring it to you. It's, they see it as a, an honor to serve the Lord's Supper. So, um, as we, um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have some music and just a time to reflect and to reflect on this idea that Jesus is going to feed us. Jesus is making us lie down in green pastures right now. He's leading us beside still waters. He's restoring our soul. And we want to enter into a moment where we can allow that to happen. So let me pray for us. Father, we're so grateful for this time. Father, forgive us if we have not shepherded well. Move us back to what we need to do if we are off. Father, for the flock, I pray you would speak in hearts. Move us in the direction you would have us go, our great shepherd. 